everyone. This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm back with the March 2022 installment of the News of the Month series on the Care Reviews podcast. This is where I talk about a few different entertainment news stories that feel important and are interesting to me. Each of the stories you'll be hearing me talk about have been divided into four separate categories. The first set of them is about the Oscars. This year's telecast will be broadcast on Sunday, March 27th. Lots of news came out last month regarding the ceremony, though I only really want to talk about one of them in particular. Back in October of 2021, I discussed rumors that this year's Oscars was going to remove the short categories from the telecast due to declining ratings from the last two years. Most recently, It was announced that the rumors are not only true, but viewers also won't be able to see the awards for Best Film Editing, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, and Best Sound presented on TV. They'll instead be presented during the hour before the telecast begins, while highlights from the acceptance speeches will be edited into the three-hour broadcast. It's been reported that ABC warned the Academy that they would cancel the telecast if a number of categories were not removed from the show. In response to this, I've seen a number of people on Twitter mention that ABC should stop trying to chase viewers who don't normally watch the Oscars anymore and focus more on satisfying their loyal fan base, which I couldn't agree with more. The people who normally watch the Oscars are going to be tuning in anyway. Not to mention that the way people watch TV has changed a lot over the years. Way before DVR and the internet came along, if people wanted to know what happened during the Oscars telecast, watching the show itself live was the only way to do so. I mean, moving forward, they should just present all 23 categories or do something else. Like on a recent episode of the Next Best Picture podcast, Josh Parr mentioned an interesting compromise he came up with that I don't think is a bad idea at all. On Saturday, they could present the Below the Line and Short Film Prizes along with the Governor's Awards in a more intimate ceremony that could be live-streamed someplace. On Sunday, they could do a full-fledged ceremony at the Dolby Theater with the main categories presented and include performances of the Best Original Song nominees. And it, of course, would be broadcast live on national television. Josh thinks if they were to go in that direction, they could use the buzz from Night One to potentially build up a excitement for nights too. What I will say, though, is that by the time the Academy's contract with ABC expires in a few years, let's hope it doesn't get renewed. The Oscars are probably better off being presented on streaming services, which rarely ever reveals their viewership data. That way, moving forward, the general public will never know if the show is commercially successful or not. Now, do I think this year's telecast will be up from the all-time loan the ratings they received last year? Maybe, but I do not think it will be all because of this. But that is something only time will tell. This next news story is about the Screen Actors Guild Awards. They recently took place on February 27th. What I'm about to do right now is read out loud the winners in each of the five main film categories and give my thoughts on them. For Best Supporting Actor, the winner was Troy Kotzer for Coda. For a while, I was predicting Cody Smith-McPhee to win for The Power of the Dog given the momentum he managed to build with critics' prizes, though I had a feeling that his performance was going to be too understated to win, and understated performances rarely ever prevail at SAG. So I ended up switching to Troy Kotzer at the last minute. I usually never feel comfortable making last-minute changes in my predictions, but this was one that really paid off for me. I was especially glad 
glad that this happened because Troy Kotzer is my personal choice for who I think should win in this category. It's the Oscars. His performance in Coda not only provides some great comic relief with several of the things he says, or in this case, signs, but I also found him to be very caring as a deaf father. So here's hoping he goes all the way. For Best Supporting Actress, the winner was Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. No surprise given the momentum she currently has in the race. For Best Actress, this was quite a nail-biter going in because there was no clear frontrunner. Jessica Chastain, Olivia Colman, and Nicole Kidman were the only Oscar nominees represented here. The other two, Lady Gaga and House of Gucci, and Jennifer Hudson in respect, pretty much had no chance at all, even though it certainly wasn't impossible for either of them to pull an Idris Elba and Beasts of No Nation or Emily Blunt in A Quiet Place by winning an individual SAG award despite getting snubbed by the Academy. As for the top three, Olivia Colman may be well-liked, but I knew her performance in The Lost Daughter would be too understated to win here. I settled on Nicole Kidman due to her playing a TV icon Lucille Ball in Being the Ricardos. It also helps that a number of SAG voters just so happen to work in television. Plus, one of my colleagues at Gold Derby, Kevin Jacobson, wrote an article about how Nicole Kidman has never won an individual SAG award for film. She's won for television, but never for film. Yet, the winner ended up being Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Which shouldn't be that surprising, given that her performance as Tammy Faye Baker is very showy. Does this mean she'll end up repeating at the Oscars? If she wins Critics' Choice, then I'll probably settle on her in my final predictions. Otherwise, we'll have to wait and see. For Best Actor, the winner was Will Smith, King Richard. During his acceptance speech, I started to get the feeling that he gave quite the audition for a potential Oscar win. Sure, it's possible Benedict Cumberbatch could win at BAFTA for The Power of the Dog, given that he's British. If he does, that could potentially be a sign of what's to come at the Academy Awards. After all, BAFTA has proven to be a more telling indicator in recent years, with some of their winners like Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies, Olivia Colman in The Favorite, and Anthony Hopkins in The Father, going on to pull off surprise wins at the Oscars. Especially after people initially wrote off their BAFTA victories as well. Oh, well, of course they won, they're British. Though with that being said, King Richard still has quite a bit of respect with its industry nominations, so I wouldn't be surprised if Will Smith ends up sweeping the season. For Best Ensemble, the winner was Coda. Now I expected Don't Look Up to take it because it is the literal definition of a winner in that category, all-star cast giving big performances in a widely seen film on Netflix. Sure, critics may have been divided on Don't Look Up, but the industry has clearly liked it more. But I couldn't have been pleasantly surprised nor happier that Coda managed to take it. It was my favorite of the bunch, so it clearly would have had my vote, and I was glad it happened. So overall, I'd say it's a pretty good slate of winners at this year's SAG Awards. When it comes to Best Picture, SAG doesn't usually have the best track record in predicting it with their Best Ensemble wins. But when it comes to the individual acting races, they rarely ever line up 4 for 4 So we'll see what happens moving forward. This next news story is a break from the current awards race and is actually about an upcoming movie that could be a part of a future awards race. That movie is The Color Purple. 
Alice Walker's 1982 Pulitzer Prize-winning novel has served as the basis of a feature film and a stage musical. The movie in particular was released in 1985, directed by Steven Spielberg, and introduced Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey to the world. Not to mention that it earned 11 Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, though The Color Purple sadly ended up going home empty-handed, tying the all-time record with 1977's The Turning Point as the biggest losing film in Oscar history. Meanwhile, the stage musical adaptation opened on Broadway in 2005 and earned 11 Tony Award nominations, including Best Musical. It almost ended up going home empty-handed, but Lachance winning Best Lead Actress for her performance as Celie prevented that from happening. The Color Purple was revived in 2015 and ended up winning two Tony Awards for Best Revival of a Musical and Best Lead Actress for Cynthia Erivo's powerhouse performance as Celie. In 2018, a film adaptation of the musical was announced to be in the works at Warner Brothers that is set to be produced by Oprah Winfrey, Steven Spielberg, Quincy Jones, and Scott Sanders. It is currently scheduled to be released in December of next year. For a while, everyone was thinking, well, Cynthia Revo has to star in it, obviously. Especially when you take into account all of the success she's achieved since her run in the most recent Broadway revival, which included receiving an Oscar nomination for starring as Harriet Tubman in the 2019 biographical film Harriet, though when it was recently announced that Cynthia will be starring as Elphaba in Universal's upcoming film, adaptation of Wicked, that pretty much took her out of the running for this project. This past month, a good deal of principal casting was announced, which includes Fantasia Barino, the third American Idol champion who took over for Les Chants in the original Broadway production as Seeley, Taraji P. Henson as blues singer Shug Avery, and Danielle Brooks as Sophia, the same character she played in the Broadway revival, which earned her a Tony nomination for her performance. I think these are some pretty solid choices. I'm definitely interested in seeing how each of their performances will turn out in the finished film. Cynthia Revo may not be starring in it, but she did send her congratulations to the casting news through a post on her Instagram, which you can find a link to in the episode notes. For our final subject, I'd like to take this moment to remember three industry veterans we've lost within this past month. Douglas Trumbull died following a two-year battle with cancer on February 7th at the age of 79. He worked on the special effects for quite a few classic films, such as 2001 A Space Odyssey, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and Blade Runner. He also actually directed a movie that was partially filmed in my area of residence of Raleigh, North Carolina back in 1981 titled Brainstorm. It was Natalie Wood's final acting credit before her tragic death. Not to mention that Douglas Trumbull also directed the ride film for the Back to the Future attraction that used to be at the Universal Studios theme parks. Filmmaker Ivan Reitman died in his sleep on February 12th at the age of 75. He was the director behind several classic comedies such as 1984's Ghostbusters and 1993's Dave. Not to mention that he also earned an Oscar nomination in 2009 as a producer of Up in the Air, which was directed by his son, Jason Reitman. Ivan also actually had two Broadway credits to his name. He was a producer on the 1974 Stephen Schwartz musical The Magic Show and earned Tony 
Tony nominations for directing and producing Merlin in 1983. Actress Sally Kellerman died from a heart failure on February 24th at the age of 84. She earned an Oscar nomination for her supporting role in Robert Altman's 1970 comedy *Mash*. She also appeared on Broadway once back in 1966 in a stage adaptation of *Breakfast at Tiffany's*. That's never officially opened. My condolences go out to all of their families. So that's just about does it for the news of this month. I will be back on April 4th to discuss any bits of entertainment news stories that I found interesting and/or important from March. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com/carereviewspodcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.